What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. As always, I am PK alongside my co-host, Phil. Phil, uh, I don't know if everybody has seen our Instagram and our Facebook, and I think I put it out on Twitter as well. I have a new foster puppy running around the house, so if you hear some background noise, he's gone or she has been going insane in the kitchen with the other two dogs. So, uh, pardon the background noise, but if you look at the cute picture, I think you can be she can be excused. She seems to be fit in extremely well, like from day one. Sometimes I know with these foster puppies, especially with what I've seen from the progress that you've made with the the dogs as they kind of grow and become a little bit more accustomed to your house and your family and you guys it like takes a little while for them to settle in and this one day one seems like she's been a part of your family for the last like six years with the way she's just settling right in playing with the dog super nice and just being ridiculously friendly and cute yeah she's a giant ham i think uh when we got her because there's a giant switch up on sunday morning and we don't have to go into all sadness about that but uh they referred to her as a baby hippo which is just kind of playful and a slouch and, you know, just laying around. And that's exactly what she is. But she's like a 30-pound, 11-week-old. So she's a Mastiff puppy. So she's when she's fully grown, uh, I don't know what the max is on those, but probably, you know, getting close to triple digits, if not over that. But, yeah, she's a, she's a massive dog right now that doesn't know the size of her own front paws where they're too heavy for the rest of her body. So when she's running around, she's stumbling over her own feet. And it's uh, it's pretty adorable. Gotta admit, it's pretty adorable. But Phil, what is also adorable is how many people are still not following us on Facebook and Instagram, even though I don't think that's adorable. And that's a terrible segue, but we're kind of in the off-season mode, so I don't really care. But you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the website at buffalosportscollective.com. Phil, um, how is it going over there? Are you fully dressed and ready for this amazing tradition unlike any others? And no, it's not like the Masters. Don't sue me. I mean, like most of the events that we have to get ready for and the podcast in general, it was a little uh, weather depictive. You know, it's uh, it's been raining finally for the first time in a long time. It's been pretty nice, and, and honestly, I enjoy the gloominess because I'm working overnight right now, so having it be kind of cloudy during the day is fantastic for sleeping. And I love rain. love rainy days. But, uh, yeah, putting the full tux on, the full suit – while it was, uh, you know, walking between the car and the award show, I know that, I mean, the red carpet was nice for us. I do appreciate that. But next time, I think we got to upgrade to get it covered because I'm a little, you know, my clothes are a little wet right now. It's a little wet. Yeah, I had an umbrella, but the rain was coming sideways, so I did get a little wet. But, you know, back room, they got some hair dryers, so we were able to dry ourselves off. But what we're talking about <laughs> is the annual BSC Award Show. We will be reflecting on the season it was for the Buffalo Bandits and Manfield. Is it a much more joyous event this season than it was last year? They went 14-4 and in the regular season, 5-1 and in the playoffs, and are your, and still... 2022-23 NLL champions. Last year was a big letdown, but we did host our party. Regardless, nobody ended up showing up because I think they were all, you know, really disappointed. But we got a star-studded lineup tonight, and uh, it's going to be a very fun show kind of going over the season that was one final time before we start diving into our off-season mode of what to do for the future of the team. 
I mean, last year it was still, it, it was painful being, uh, you know, how quickly it was after the season that could have been. And, uh, you know, we, we were in a little bit of a, a more depressing mode. But at the same time, it was still exciting to see them have as successful as the years they had, even though it was a little bit of a letdown. But this year, like you said, feels a little bit even more exciting because they actually did it, got over that hump, won the championship. And now we get to reflect once again on the season that was and kind of sit back and then enjoy and take it all in. And uh, I am pumped to get the award show started. Yeah, I'm even more pumped to kind of put a bow on this season and kind of take the shirt and tie off, if you will, you know, pun included here because we're at the award show, but kind of put a bow on this season, like I said, and look forward to the offseason where our coverage will still be available and we're still not going to slow down in that, but it's going to twist into the offseason mode where it's a lot more what should you do here and less about the stats and the numbers and more about opinion-based shows. And I think that's more fun for us because we don't have to hit on the numbers and the stats and what's this team got to do to beat this team. It's all kind of more just relaxed and kind of more creative and do whatever we want it. But let's get started with our awards, the most coveted award known to all athletes. And I know that's spreading rapidly around other other sports teams in the different sports, and they all want to come to Buffalo so they can be a part of this BSC award show. Well, the only uh, award show that gets hung on your mantelpiece over and over and over, and everybody loves it. So we'll start with the MVP. We have some nominees here. Dane Smith, Matt Vince, Josh Byrne, Ian McKay, and Steve Priolo, last year's winner, was Matt Vince. Phil, would you like to do the honors of revealing the envelope? We actually slightly dis- uh, disagree on this one, so I don't know how that's uh, starting things You got a off. different card than I did? I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, slightly. I think, okay, I, well. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I necessarily disagree. I guess I'll, I'll switch up how we feel. I think I do agree with the overall uh, selection in the card. But I think another player who will get his later, little uh, hint at that, I think he also deserves credit for this. And I guess I will, I will I'll save that for later for when uh, we discuss it, because he's getting a different award possibly later in the evening. So I will, I will wait for that, and I will let the true award winner of this year have his moment, and he deserves it because... He was extremely good and held this team together while they were struggling mightily. And there's a reason that they were number one in the NLL during the regular season. And this man had a lot to do with it. And who knows what the season looks like if they do not get that first overall seed headed into playoffs. We don't know. But we didn't need to worry about it because this man was there. He was between the pipes. Matt Vince, our BSC MVP, team MVP of the year. He played Absolutely incredible and really honestly held this team together while they were going through a lot of injuries on offense. Yeah, Mad Vince, I, I think the player that you're talking about, I think this was like two horse race and Dane Smith and Mad Vince pretty much came down to it. I think Ian McKay could have made a fight for it. Steve Priola with the postseason he had could have as well. Josh Byrne, I think just the injury in games one and two and then the injury in the season kind of just knocked him out of the run, even though the incredible season he was having, he was going to be smashing his own career best this year as well if he didn't go down. But I think when you look at it, Yes, Dane Smith was one of the two forwards that stayed healthy all year long. I think it was more Matt Vince leading the the defense and being just unstoppable in the post. I mean, 
He played the fourth most minutes at going to be 40, or he is 41 at this point. League lead in wins with 14th. Fourth in goals allowed in goalies over 900 minutes at 10.42. Led the league in saves with 742, which was the third most ever. Second best save percentage at 80%. He moved into sixth place in games played in NLL history. Extended his minutes, wins, saves, leads. He was 5-1 and one in the playoffs, even better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. 8.2, or 8.82 goals against and an 83 save percentage. Finalist for goaltender of the year extended his playoff lead in games played wins saves minutes he's just an all-time great gonna be on the Mount Rushmore's everything but I think for the team you got to look at what's behind him and yes Delvin Shanahan is young and he has a promising career moving forward and he's put up great numbers in the summer leagues but I don't think this team one wins the championship and two gets the number one seed if Matt Vince is not between the pipes yeah, like, like you said, I think it's just, and again, we'll talk about Smith and this kind of debate a little bit later just because I don't want to say a bunch of stuff about Smith and then say it all over again. But I think just the two, I think they, they like you said, it was a two-headed race because they went together so perfectly. Like, I don't think, without Matt Vince, they aren't the team they are this year. I mean, they won so many low-scoring games. We talked about how broken the offense was with all the injuries and everything that was kind of going on, and the offense just didn't look the same as it did last year. And you were still being able to win games, but they were overtime games. They were one goal games. You're winning all these close ones. We weren't seeing the blowouts we had last year. And that was because the offense wasn't there. And you, in order to get those kind of wins, like a seven, six ridiculous overtime victory against San Diego, you don't get that without Matt Vince playing out of his mind. And at the same time, to me, Dane Smith was still able to have a pretty close to earth shattering career year without half the forwards he's normally used to playing with. And at the same time, I think these extremely tight games that they were able to win in overtime, I don't think you have the offense to do it without him. And I don't think you have the defense to do it without Matt Vince. So I think they truly went hand in hand this year that like, if you don't have Dane Smith, I don't think this is the team that they ended up being. And if you don't have Matt Vince, I don't think they're the team they ended up being. So I think they truly were, right next to each other I think it honestly could go either way but I have no problem giving it to Matt Vince who led the team to the extremely successful season they had and like you said his playoff run I mean again (laughs) talk about neck and neck with Dane Smith's shattering playoff single season uh, points records win the playoffs and then Matt Vince also having a record low four goals allowed so again those two just went ridiculously hand in hand this season yeah, it's, it's less about knocking Dane Smith in the season he had because it's unbelievable. I mean, finals for the MVP, it's more just maybe a tip to the head of what Matt Vince was able to do and not just hitting on his age because, you know, he's still unbelievable, one of the best in the entire world and playing ripped. at the age he is, but he's doing this at 40. I mean, that, yes. it kind of pushes the edge to him. But yeah, that's fair. this year's BSC MVP for the Buffalo Bandits goes to not only, and I mean, the greatest to ever do it and probably the greatest to ever do it. I don't think there's anybody that's even going to come close to some of these numbers he's putting up. Matt Vince, congrats to him, MVP of the BSC for this year. Moving on to the Defender of the Year. So there's some big-time nominees here. Ian McKay, Steve Priolo, Nick Weiss, and Bryce Sweeting. Yes, Bryce Sweeting. I think he had, I think what put him over the top here and into the nominations was the playoffs he had. He was just unbelievable. Last year's winner, Steve Priolo. And Phil, uh, can we get a repeat winner as well in this one as as well? Because Matt Vince won MVP last year. The winner is Steve Priolo. 
and he deserved it. I mean, he he played extremely well. He is again just led the defense without him. I mean, it's very similar to the MVPs, and it's kind of how you frame some of these that without this player, what would this team look like? And I mean, we talked about it early in the season that when he was having his awkward, uh, (laughs) I guess we'll just call it awkward game misconducts he was getting in the game for talking to the refs, and he was clearly a marked man for a few games there, and he kept getting these massive 10-minute penalties, and then when he was in the box, the team, the opposing team would score a lot of goals, he would come back out, and the goals would go away. I mean, it's just a direct correlation that when he's on the field, he wasn't in the penalty box, he made a huge difference to that defense. He is a huge part of the communication of that defense. Him and Vince constantly talk after every single goal. I mean, yes, most of the guys get together and kind of discuss it, but Priolo and Vince, pretty much every single goal that goes in, those two are back there trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong. And I think just he's such a leader on that team. He's the captain of the team for a reason, and he's just a leader of that defense. And I think he, once again, just deserves the honor, and he played an incredible season. Yeah, and you can even, when you were talking about him being in the penalty box, he was not playing in week one, and they lost to Albany. So again, that just reinforces the point you were making, where when he's not on the field, the team looks different. 316 19 143 loose balls, which is good for 13th in the league. That's the most in his career. 19 caused turnovers, 19 black shots was his sixth. Moved into ninth in PIMS in NLL history. But the more important stats here, fourth in caused turnovers in NLL history with 235 in the playoffs. He only uh, did this, 2-6-8. He led all players with 58 loose balls, five caused turnovers, tied for third with six black shots, moved into fifth in caused turnovers in the NLL playoffs, and fourth in loose balls with 209 in NLL playoffs. He is just a man. He was a man on a mission. He was he was probably one of the best players on the field in that game three in the finals. But it just it's all the other things that you were mentioning. Talking to Matt Vince after each goal, reorganizing the, de- the defense. He's just that they have voice of reason on the defensive end, even when he doesn't have to be where he's going after the rest and stuff like that. But he it's it's just He's he's a man on a mission in the playoffs, and to see what he was able to do on the penalty kill as well, it like we brought up when he's in the box, not only does that affect the defense where he's not out there, he's not out there in the penalty kill, and he's one of their best penalty killers as well. So uh, here's here's a little knock to everybody out there that was saying uh, if they don't get it done this year, maybe they should be looking to give the captain to you know, uh, maybe Nick Weiss or anybody. This is, Steve Priola will be the captain of the Buffalo Bandits until he decides to retire. And I, it sounds like he's not going anywhere from everything we heard. Hopefully that's not the case. He was one of the guys that I was a bit worried about had they lost game three, but we don't really have to worry about that because uh, they went home victorious. So, Phil, we will move on. The next award, I think, is the one that you are going to talk about the most. Offensive Player of the Year. The nominees are Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, Tohoka Nanakoke, and Kyle Buchanan. Last year's award winner, Dane Smith. Phil, can we make it three for three? Yeah, I don't think this one's all that suspenseful. It is Dane Smith. Turns out he's really good. At lacrosse, I don't, I don't know if we've mentioned this too often on this podcast specifically that uh, he seems to be decent at least. You know, if you're going to give him, if you're going to give him a title, I'd say at least decent at lacrosse. Some might call it good, others great, maybe incredible, and uh, arguably one of the best in modern modern times right now in the game. So yeah, all those all those nice things. He's incredible. He Everything he did this year, and again, we talked about it a little bit earlier with the MVP race for this team. 
I just think what he was able to do with all the injuries to the left side, still being able to step up in different ways and even lead the offense. I mean, again, we talked about it a lot throughout the year when Byrne went down specifically, but even Cloutier, when all these guys were kind of going down on the left side, Fraser didn't play most of the season with his injury. So the team looked very different and pretty broken on offense. You had a lot of defensive players playing offense. You had Dylan Robinson up there. You had Ian McKay, who filled in very nicely up on forward. But a lot of that doesn't happen without having a true kind of leader of that offense, and that's Dane Smith. And the things he was able to do when, again, we talked about it, a lot this season that going into the game, the opposing team had one player that they had to find a way to shut down and nobody was able to really figure it out and really do it. I mean, there were games that we said there were, I don't even know which games, but some of them, there were ones where the team pretty much had nobody but Dane Smith on offense. Like that's the guy you have to watch. Everything goes through him. Everyone knows it. And yet he would come away with a 12 point performance and they'd win the game by one goal. And it's just what he was able to do with the offense that, was out there for most of the season and just again being the targeted guy on the team like this is the guy you have to stop yet he would still find a way to score timely goals score those last second goals to tie it up or push it to overtime score in overtime find a way to get all these assists break the single season assist record for the NLL another checkmark record that he has to his name I mean just his performance this year was incredible. And again, giving it what he was able to do with the offense being so injured for most of the year, I just thought it was really incredible. And again, I don't think a lot of those close games that you won by one goal or you won in overtime happen without him leading that offense and without him staying healthy the whole year. Yeah, I know he broke the record in 2016. He came close last year, won the MVP in both years, and he came up just short in winning the MVP this year. This might have been his best season as a whole in his career. And that's saying a lot based on what the offense looked like all season. And you might see, you know, the star-studded offense, the juggernaut that they had last year and go, no, he was better last year. He was better in 2016. If you look at the pieces that were in and out of the lineup as often as they were, what the the makeshift forward group had to be. I mean, you were pulling up guys like Dylan Robinson was taking shifts up there. Half the time you were seeing guys like um, Justin Robinson was up there. Adam Bomberry was taking a few shifts as well. Those are the type of forwards you had to throw out there because everybody was just so hurt. So I think collectively this might not have been his best, you know, statistical that's a tough word a to tough say word. statistical uh season he's ever had but i think collectively this was his best year all he did was score 36 goals 96 assists 132 points second most points in the season he broke his own nll single season record the next closest person had 82 assists this year that's 14 less uh he was tied for seventh and uh power play assist was 18 he had 99 loose balls the most since 2016 14 caused turnovers that's the most since 2014 he's now just behind johnny tavares on the team in assists he was the finalist for mvp and then phil uh you know in the playoffs what he do he just led all scores with 49 points the next closest was 35 15 34 and 49 second in goals tied for first with eight power play assists he's in a ninth place with 56 playoff uh goals third in uh, NLL history and playoffs with 90, 98 assists, fourth in the playoffs with 154 points. Oh, yeah, and he broke the single-season postseason record with 49 points. The old record was 42. The guy is just smashing records left and right. And somehow, Phil, a man that was so good at lacrosse already just seems to take his game up one more notch this season. And especially in playoffs, like the you kind of want to just call out, again, like you look at his numbers, yes, he is – 
truly known for his assists. I mean, I think earlier in his career, he was a little bit more goal heavy. Now he's really shifted to a setup man and he still can put the ball in the back of the net though. 36 goals is not a low amount by any means. It's still a very strong amount of goals to score, but I think you really look at the first game against Colorado in the playoffs, you lose Josh Byrne, you know, he's not playing. And all of a sudden a guy who is known to be a little bit more of an assist maker goes out and scores five goals out of nowhere. And then only has one assist because he knows without Josh Byrne there, you know, you need somebody else to step up in the goal column. And he was able to do that and just, again, find that extra notch, turn it on when he needs to. So just to see him kind of adapt and change his game as the team kind of went and what they really needed out of him to score, five goals in a championship game when you really just haven't been known for scoring five goals all season in one game just shows the kind of player that he can kind of shift and become if he needs to step up into that role when other players go down. It's just an absolutely incredible season and even arguably more incredible playoff run. So congratulations to Dane Smith. That makes it three for three in, uh, in uh, back-to-back winners. So let's try to get a little bit more creative here. And this one cannot be a back-to-back <laughs> winner because, uh, you know, goals change every once in a while. So or every single season, every single game. What am I saying? Every once in a <laughs> nah, while. Just every uh, once in a the, while. Yeah, every once in a while. You know, it's it's it, whatever. We're moving on. <laughs> now, this is what we call this one. Now that's a goal. It is the goal of the year. Last year's winner was Nick Weiss. Game one, finals. Game winner versus Colorado. And uh we got a lot of nominees this year because there were so many close games, but some of these nominees are Steve Prillo's overtime winner in San Diego where he picked it up and just took that bouncer to beat San Diego. You got Max Adler's face-off win and playoff goal. Dane Smith's overtime winner versus Philly. Cloutier's overtime winner in Halifax in that game two of the back-to-back series. Burns overtime winner against New York in his first game back. Frazier's between the legs rebound goal versus Toronto April 22nd, which ended up winning the division. That game clinched the division. They took a 6-5 to lead at that point, and it, I think it reached number nine on SportsCenter. And then the final final one here is Brandon Robinson, one-handed catch, shoot, score, which was just an unbelievable one. And credit to you to add that one last minute because I completely you know, blanked on that one. I couldn't believe what type of goal when he went. Uh, I think that was his five-goal game, right, where he went just airborne burn after Josh Byrne went out. But, Phil, I'm rambling enough. Who is the winner of this goal of the year? We are going to give this very tight race because all of these were absolutely incredible and they're all memorable but we are going to give it to max adler his playoff goal his first career playoff goal in that situation coming off of that huge run that they had game three against colorado i I don't really know what else there is to say about that goal yes it might not have been necessarily the prettiest like a Fraser between the legs one-handed incredible goal against Toronto which was still mind-blowing and amazing but what it meant to the team at that time what it meant to just the arena at that time and just the style of goal it was the guy who again doesn't often score I think it was his second career goal ever first career playoff goal but he gets it in a massive moment when they need to keep piling it on he gets the Straight face-off victory, runs down, scores right away, and everybody, he's just a guy who, you know, goes out there, works 110%. He's your, you know, Kyle Buchanan, but in a face-off dot, face-off circle kind of player, always going out there, grinding away, and for him to get that goal in that situation, especially to get your first ever career playoff goal in that atmosphere, it was just amazing to watch and really great for the player. Yeah, I think there were bigger goals 
there were flashier goals. There were more important goals, but there, and I think I said it on the last Wednesday show when we reviewed the whole game and kind of relived the moment. There wasn't a goal that made the arena louder than that goal right there, because I think we said it perfectly on the last show, and I don't want to dive too much into it because a lot of people listen to that episode, but th- that goal was kind of just the the collection of everybody just taking that deep breath and just going, they won. This this is it. This is over. The drought is over. 15 years is finally over. Max Adler puts the cherry on top, and just, it, it was... it. I think you and I both agreed that when Matt Spanger scored that goal, you and I collectively were like, okay, oh my God, they're going to win it. But it wasn't until that Max Adler faceoff going down, beating the defending NLL finals MVP clean, like not even just, you know, he got a piece of it and squeaked through. It was clean. He he beat him clean. It was the whole arena just collectively went, we're winning this thing. It's over. They're finally going to break the drought. And I think that, like I said, there there was more important goals, there were bigger goals, there were fancier goals, but there wasn't a goal that I think let everybody have the same reaction around not just the arena, but all of Buffalo. So Phil, we will move on to the next award. Congrats to Max Adler there. This one is called You Got Better. It's the most improved player from previous year. Last year's winner was Josh Byrne, and he had an unbelievable year last year. He was going to top it this year if he didn't get hurt, like I mentioned earlier. But the nominees here are Max Adler, Ian McKay, and Brad McCulley. Three deserving participants, Phil, who is the winner of the You Got Better Award. It is none other than Ian McKay, and he absolutely deserves it. I don't think there's any doubt that he was already a very strong player on this team and a player that meant a ton to this organization and just the defense. And again, we've talked about it a lot, being one of the true transition players on this team. They really don't have that many. When you think of a transition player, you think of someone who plays defense and then goes to offense and stays on offense occasionally or can you know score goals and is that true offensive defense kind of guy or defense to offense, sorry. But I really don't think the Bandits have too, too many of those true transition players. Like you think of a Courier and Calgary, like that, just that true guy who's going to do a little bit of everything. The Bandits don't have a lot of them. They have streaky players who can go from defense to offense and occasionally score a goal here and there. And that's great. But I don't think they have too many true transition labeled players, if you want to call it that. Ian McKay is one of them, and he took that kind of tag on this team and ran with it to all new heights this year with filling in on offense when they were down so many of those lefties and not only filling in and just kind of being a body up there, but filling in and actually performing really well as a lefty forward. When he was called upon to be put in that position, he scored a lot of goals, had a lot of big assists and was just a big offensive player for that team when they were desperately needed some depth and some help on the left side of that offense. And then when other team, other players got healthy and he was able to go back on defense, he played extremely well on defense, as we know he can do. And I think he just really took his game to a completely new level this year on both sides of the ball. I think his defense was even improved, even though he was already very good at it. His offense obviously improved with kind of getting that offensive opportunity. But then I think having that opportunity on offense also allowed him to become an even stronger transition player and maybe even just trust in his own forward ability a little bit more because I think afterwards when he went back to defense you saw him staying up on offense a little bit more often trying to give some of the guys like Josh and Cloutier 
a little bit of a break and he could, you know, kind of stay out with the offense. I think he just trusted himself to be a bigger part of the offense as well. But what he meant to this team, and you could even see it again in the championship game when Byrne was gone and he was asked to be an offensive player. He did fine on offense, but you could definitely tell the defense was hurting without him back there for the majority of those shifts. And you could tell that he just left a bit of a gap on defense when he had to be offense dominantly. So I think he just, you could really just tell what he meant to this team this year and just truly was an extremely improved player from what he saw last year. I still remember all last year, we just kept saying, where's this transition game? You know, you need some goals from your transition game. And every time the defense got the ball, they pretty much subbed a whole line change to get that star studded offensive unit out on the floor. And I think that is one part of this team that was added this year was the transition game. And Ian McKay was a massive part of it. 19-19-38, third in the transition department in scoring in the NLL. 120, or I'm sorry, 121 loose balls, which was tied for eighth in the transitions. The transition players, 16 cost turnovers, which was 12th. New career highs in goals and points. Previous highs were 11 goals and 32 points back in 2019, his rookie season. Most loose balls in his career. Last year, he had 104. Most cost turnovers in his career. Uh, in 19 and 22, he had 15. He played forward when he needed to, truly one of the best transition players in the league like we went over. And in the playoffs, all he did was five goals, 11 assists, 16 points, led the transition players in points and was 11th overall in points, 7th in, uh, with 40 loose balls. Just an unbelievable player. I think going into the season, we could have said, you know, who's the most underrated player? Who's the player that isn't cut, going to be talked about enough? We probably would have landed on Ian McKay, but I don't think we're going to have that same problem in this offseason. I think everybody knows his name. I think he is one of the true best transition players in the league. And I think we went over this when we went over the the award nominees for the actual NLL was, you know, the whole the whole thing about, you know, what your label is if you're if you're a defense or a transition player. I thought Ian McKay and Matt Gilroy were gypped out of being a nominee for a transition player of the year. I don't think either of them would have won because I think the I think Zach Courier was a runaway with it. But I think both of them needed to get at least a a you know a name out there. It possibly you know have their name recognized as one of the best in the league because I think they are. And what's crazy is this was only his third completed season. It which is nuts to me. Next year is going to be his fourth full season. The sky's the limit for this guy, and he's just getting better and better, and the stats prove it. So, Phil, we will move on to the Get It Rook Newbie Award. We had to add newbie because there weren't a ton of rookies on this one. It's the Rookie of the Year or the Newcomer. The nominees are Dylan Robinson, Carter McKenzie, Brandon Robinson, Adam Bomberry, Nate Kuznetsnikov. Finally did it right in my oh, first try, Phil. Uh, last year's winner was none other than Tohokan Anakok, which is crazy thinking this was only his second season. But Phil, the award goes to. This one's uh, slightly complicated because a lot of these players didn't end up getting the play time that we maybe would have liked to see. Or, you know, it was just kind of hard to crack some of this lineup. Some of them had injury issues and in general is just hard to come onto this team and be extremely productive when this team, you know, went to a championship last year as well and was already looking really stacked. But our winner this year, Dylan Robinson coming in as a true rookie, as a true player that the Bandits went after in the draft, wanted him, loved him. And honestly, a lot of the talk coming out of camp from him was simply that he, you know, was a very young rookie might not 
play this year all that much is going to get some time, but you know, maybe toward the end of the season, we'll see. And then all of a sudden kind of out of those preseason games, everyone, you know, kind of switched their tune said, okay, he's actually looking a lot more ready than I think even the bandits kind of expected. And then with a few injuries early on, he ended up getting a starting role right away. And as he continued to play, I mean, again, he's a rookie, but he continued to kind of step up and look really good really early on. I think he was a very solid contributor the entire season when he was healthy. He also had a few injury issues as well, but when he was out there, he looked really good. And again, for such a young rookie that I think a lot of players or a lot of people just thought would take a little bit longer to come along. I think he played really good. And I think it's tough to play defense in this league as a rookie, as young as he was. And I think he played really solid and he even added a little bit of that transition aspect as well. I mean, he was one of those guys coming off a of defense that when you watched the game, you could tell that he was the one transitioning from defense to offense because he was just sprinting nonstop. Whenever he had the ball on defense, he was running to offense. You could tell like, oh, who the heck's this guy sprinting so fast to get to offense? And a lot of times you see them kind of casually get out of the defensive zone. They'll either pass it up. That guy, you know, kind of barely takes it over this restraining line and then away they go. But he, every single time he had it, was just sprinting his little butt off to get out there. And he even played a few offensive shifts with the injuries they had on offense. And I think he ended up being much more diverse and overall just a lot better and solider of a player for such a young rookie than maybe they expected going into the season. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. I think that injury to Steve Priolo with not playing game one kind of opened the door for Robinson to get more opportunities. And I was one of those ones that was thinking, okay, he's probably going to be on the practice squad all year long, you know, not get a ton of run. And then he ended up playing 13 games. And the only reason he only played 13 was he got hurt 20 year old kid, which I can call kid because I'm 11 years older than him. And God, that's weird to say, Phil, but uh, two goals, six assists, eight points led the uh, or second on the team in defense and scoring 50 loose balls, nine cause turnovers, two block shots. Like you said, played a little forward, played a little transition game, really, really, really quick for his size in the playoffs. Only played in two games, but 13 loose balls, two cause turnovers. I think his game that I was not expecting was the ability to cause those turnovers for a guy that isn't as as big as he's going to end up being. I mean, 20 years old, the muscle's not there yet. He's still packing on some, you know, big boy muscles where, you know, that's going to come with age. That's going to come with different training regimens. That's going to come with this offseason program that they're going to have. This is going to come with, you know, more time in the league and more you know, more experience. He's going to put on a lot more muscle and a lot more strength. And I think that's just going to benefit those cause turnovers. He's going to be tougher to play against. I don't think that's going to affect his speed too much. And what's going to be terrifying is once he puts on all that muscle to see that bowling ball running down the field at the speed he can at come at, I would like to see him more, you know, as he ages and as they give him more trust in that defense, maybe, Maybe he can, you know, transition to that transition game, if you know what I'm talking about. Less less defense-only mentality and more of maybe that Ian McKay role where he can get in that transition game and maybe get two true transition players out of this. I think, I think the sky's the limit for him, and I'm very excited to see the growth he continues to have because, like you said, they, they invested a higher draft pick in, I think it was the 14th overall pick last year, and to see the amount of minutes and the, the play he got, and he was just earning more and more trust from the team, I'm very excited to see where he goes from here. So, Phil, we got a few more here. This one, next one, I think is your favorite one that we really do because it kind of 
exemplifies your mentality of sports. It's the undisputed sleeper. It's the under-acknowledged player on this team. And last year's winner was Kyle Buchanan. And uh, this year's nominees, once again, Kyle Buchanan, Brad McCulley, Justin Robinson, and Bryce Sweeting. Phil, the winner of the undisputed sleeper is... This year's... Yeah, I was going to say UAP for underacknowledged player, but it's undisputed sleep. The U.S. award goes to Brad McCauley for being that exactly what you said, the underacknowledged player, the just grinder out there that he didn't get a lot of the flashy goals. I mean, we know he has that quick stick ability to score. He showed it multiple times. We know he has the offensive ability to score there were a few games that he stepped up really well again we're going to continue to talk about it throughout this award show and hopefully i'm kind of excited to stop talking at some point about the troubles that the offense ran into this year especially on that left side but in general he also had the ability to step up on that left side he had a few big games offensively putting a few goals on but For the most part, he is that grinder player. He's that player that is out there setting the really hard picks for players like Cloutier and Byrne to do what they do best. And I know Byrne, every single time he scored and McCauley was on the field, he's often calling him out like, you know, thank you for setting that pick. You're the one who's allowing me to get open and be that kind of player. And like you said, he's just oftentimes we've talked about it throughout the entire season players like McCulley and the Brandon Robinsons of the world they just don't get a lot of credit for what they do and how hard their job actually is I mean especially him he's going out there and oftentimes I'm not going to say he's looking for fights but he definitely has that grinder edge to him where if somebody wants to fight him he is right there for it so he is he has that mentality of being that guy who's going to set the hard picks he's going to be a very physical player and it doesn't bother him in the slightest to be that kind of guy on this team. And I think he actually kind of thrives on it and seems to really enjoy being that kind of player. And he's always up in people's faces. He's always defending his teammates. If, you know, anything happens on the field, he's always there going after the other player, going after the opposing team. So I think it just, again, it just doesn't show up on the score sheet what he does. And hopefully we've talked about it a little bit before that these kind of assist picks might be a future statistic at some point and it'd be really great to see because I think players like him and players like Robinson deserve some kind of stat for what they do out there to give players like burn the lane that they get and kind of setting those picks sometimes you know sometimes tying up two three players at a time to allow the other players to get that free look to get their hands free to get that long distance shot out and I think players like McCauley just don't get the credit they really deserve. I think a lot of fans see it and a lot of obviously the league and the analysts see what players like that do. But from somebody who might not know a ton about the game, you go to, you know, a stat sheet, you look up the team's top scorers. He's pretty low on the list and you're like, okay, well, that's not great. Why does he only have, you know, 31 points on the year? That's not very impressive. Why don't we get someone else? But it's the little things he does that make him such a crucial part of this team. And especially with Robinson getting injured, going down so early, and then ended up being out the rest of the season. We kind of talked about it in the offseason. We talked about it when Robinson went down. Like He was going to be a major loss to this offense because of what Robinson was brought in to do. He was brought in to change what the offense was able to do against teams like Colorado, exactly what they went through in the finals. And Robinson was brought in to be that guy to set those picks, let the def- let the offense get inside and find a way to get through some of these physical defenses. And when he went down, we were like, all right, that's the 
player that were most concerned about him not being out there. And McCauley was able to, you know, step up into that role. And we were kind of talking about it when Robinson went down. Can McCauley step up into that role and be as effective as Robinson was when he was here and he was healthy? And I think McCauley did a really good job stepping up into that role and kind of accepting that role and putting it on himself to be the guy to set all the hard picks. And again, it's just a position that doesn't often get a lot of credit, but I think he played it really, really well. And I think he stepped up a ton this year. Yeah, this type of award is why I like doing this show so much because we we watch this team with a fu- like fine tooth comb. We go over the games, we rewatch it, we go over our notes, we talk about it, you know, into the ground. So I think you summed it up perfectly. Where you know a normal fan might just look at a box score like the the NLL stats and just see okay, thirty one points, you know, sixth in scoring with the team. Why is he on this team? Why don't we just release him and go get somebody else? Like the normal crazy NLL fans that, you know, the sport's still growing. So having those type of fans makes sense. But, you know, seeing those ones where, hey, why don't we just go get Jeff T? Or, hey, why don't we just go get Tom Schreiber or something like that and replace Brad McCulley with one of those players? Your offense doesn't look the same if you don't have players like a Brad McCulley. Where, yes, he scored 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points. Yes, you know, he had that four-goal, four-assist, eight-point game with no clue, no burn versus Philly. He stepped up great there. He had the two-goal, three-assist, five-point game versus Rochester. Former first-round pick, ninth overall in 2020. Playoffs, three, three, and six. But, like, I think you summed it up perfectly. He's that true grinder. He's He also has that scoring touch when needed. But he's the one that sets those picks. He's the one that is isn't afraid to drop the gloves when he needs to defend one of his teammates he's he's not asking for it but if it's there he's gonna take it he's one of those ones that's standing in front of the net screening the goalies he's the one that's getting into the dirty areas he is the type of player that this team needed last year when they couldn't get in front of Dylan Ward when they couldn't make Dylan Ward move when they couldn't get those nasty picks he came in and kind of not replaced Connor Fields, but took Connor Fields' spot and made it his own. And like you said, when Brandon Robinson went out and th- that, you know, picks to lead to goal stat, I hope that comes out. You got the soakers. Let's get this stat out there so you can more appreciate these type of players. He took over that Brandon Robinson role and just ran with it. Now, he's not the same type of player as Brandon Robinson. He's not as big and, and bulky as Brandon Robinson to clear up those lanes. But man, when he sets those picks, Phil, I feel him. And it hurts me seeing how he runs into some of those players. Now, yes, he got clocked in that one game and came back. Thank God he did because I don't know what this offense would look like without him. But I think he is one of those ingredients that just made this offense work perfectly. I'm not sure which goal it was or even which game. I think it was the game three of the championship. I'm pretty sure it was. Watched so many Bandits highlights over the last few weeks, just kind of enjoying everything that's going on around the team right now. But I believe it was game three, and Burns scored a goal from pretty far out. And all you see in the background as the ball's going in is McCauley just dumping a player through the crease as he just like trucks someone over on a hard pick, kind of away from the play as Burns scoring a goal. And then he just kind of looked at the player on the ground, walked away, and went to go celebrate with his teammates. And it's just that kind of mentality and that kind of play like that kind of exemplifies everything that he is just like there's a a play going on he's over there doing his thing setting the hard pick and while Burns scoring a goal from outside he's just dropping a guy over by the crease to kind of cause some mayhem so it's just that kind of player and like you said just everything he meant to this team and the difference that he brings 
compared to a guy like Connor Fields. Yes, obviously you can see Connor Fields' stats are incredible. What he was able to do with Rochester, over 100 points, it looks really good. But that's not the kind of player that Buffalo needed to move on and get over the hump. They needed the Brad McCauley. They needed the Brandon Robinson, that kind of true grinder player is what they needed to really win the championship. You didn't need another skill player. You have that on the field already. You needed that guy who was going to be able to get into the dirty areas. And I think McCauley stepped up into that role really, really well this year. So, Phil, we got two more left here. This one is probably one of my favorite ones, but the issue is that I it it doesn't how can i put this it it doesn't if if you're just seeing the award you're 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 scratching your head because you don't really understand it last year's award winner for this one was Brad McCulley and you know he just won another award so you know if you if you win this one it's not a bad thing it's just more the the name of the award is give me more and i think we might have to rename it but it's just somebody that you want to see more of or somebody that needs to step up it's not a negative thing none of these awards are negative these are all just you, maybe this player didn't get as much time on the field and you want to see more of it next year or there's a there's a spot opening up what's going to happen kind of like with Brad McCulley, there was a spot opening up with the lefties. He took it and ran with it. That's exactly why we wanted to see more of him. So don't take this as a negative if you're the award winner here. Just take it as a positive and run with it because that's exactly what Brad McCulley did, and they won a championship. So the nominees here are Brandon Robinson, Dylan Robinson, Sam LaRue, and Nate Kuznetsnikov. Two in a row, Phil. Who's the award winner here? Our award winner this year is Sam LaRue. And I think the big thing with him is simply, like you kind of mentioned a little bit ago, he only had two games played. It's about finding those opportunities. And when you do get that opportunity, what you do with it, it's kind of what sports are as a whole, right? I mean, so many opportunities come up here and there, but they can be spotty. And when you finally get that chance, what do you look like? What are you doing with it? Like, how are you inserting yourself into the lineup in a way that the team looks at you and says, okay, we can't let this guy get out of the active roster no matter what happens because he proved that he deserves to be there and I think it's just that kind of situation of when you get that opportunity to be on the field what are you doing with it and I think it's very difficult for a lot of these players because I mean we've said it with our rookies already in the newbie award like just finding a way onto a team that has been to the finals three straight opportunities and even the COVID shortened year they were looking very solid with their roster I mean you and I have talked about it for a few off seasons now. What does this roster need to do to change? You know, where are the holes in the roster? And honestly, so many times we bring in all these rookies from the draft and we're really excited to see them. And at the same time, we're like, all right, this team has absolutely no room for anybody. And we love everybody that's already on it. And at the same time, we would love for these players to get an opportunity to play like a Sam LaRue and see what he can bring to this team, see if he can add a different element to this offense but you just don't get that opportunity all that often because their roster is literally championship built and they just want it for a reason. And it's been that way for years now. So it's very hard for these players to crack the lineup. But when they do, again, it's just about finding that opportunity. And when you get it, what are you doing with it? And I think it's going to be an interesting battle between LaRue and Kazetnikov to see who can really kind of take over that righty side. There aren't a lot of holes on the right side right now, and you have a lot of young talent over there. I mean, Smith's not young, but he's in his prime. You have Token Anacoke, young and in his prime, and same with Fraser. So it's all going to come down to what happens with Buchanan. I would absolutely love to have that player back again. I know we were kind of, 
I don't skeptical, I guess, in in a weird way in the offseason of what at his age he would be able to bring to the team. What's he going to look like? Or do we want one of these younger players to kind of step up into that role and see what they can bring? And extremely happy they were able to bring him back. He needed that veteran leadership. And my goodness, he had an incredible season. So very happy they brought him back. So we'll see what his future holds in the offseason. We don't know yet. But if that opportunity is available and they want to add another righty, you have LaRue and you have Nate. Nate K, as you love to call him, because it's a little bit easier. And it'll be interesting to see, out of the two of them, which one can really step up into that righty role and see what they can bring, because I think they're very different styles of players. Nate K is a little bit more of a flashy kind of Fraser outside shooter, whereas LaRue is a little bit more of a bigger grinder player who can also score. So it's going to be interesting to see which one steps up if that opportunity comes about. Yeah, I think that's exactly why Sam LaRue won this one. It was between him and Nate K, honestly, between those two, because we see what Brandon Robinson is. We see what his role is. I I love Dylan Robinson and what his role is going to be, and I think I know exactly what type of player he's going to end up being. But with LaRue and Kuznetsnikov, you you don't really know what type of role they're going to have and what type of player they are. I mean, Nate K was drafted in 20, 2019. He came back from a, a really bad injury and battled his way back and finally got in some game action. Sam LaRue played one game last year, two games this year, but he, I think he's, he's just turned 21 on game three. So he was able to you know celebrate with some adult beverages in the, in the <laughs> locker room. But it, like you said, what happens with Kyle Buchanan in the offseason. We were wondering if he was going to be making his way back last year. He did. He was one of the two forwards along with Dane Smith that didn't get hurt in the forward group and, you know, had an amazing year. He's not slowing down whatsoever. Like I said, he's 35, plays like he's still 25, out there on every single faceoff, battling in the corners, last one to leave the field all the time. But, you know, at some point, you hang him up. Am I saying he's ready to hang him up? No, not even close. But, if the time does rise and, and it's this offseason, one of those righties are going to have an opportunity to step up. And Sam LaRue has the draft pedigree. The organization has high hopes for him. He was protected in the expansion draft. They put him as a defenseman because he played one one game as a defenseman back there. So they were able to you know label him as a defenseman to protect him. So obviously, obviously they believe that around the league, he has a ton of value. So I want to see more of it. He hasn't really had a great opportunity to come in, even in those two games. You know, even the 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 righties were still you still had to compete with Kyle Buchanan and Dane Smith, and maybe even Nana Cook. I don't remember which two games he played in, but you know, it it. It's one of those two players that's going to have an opportunity to step off if Bucky is not back, and it's just which one of them can take the reins and run with it. And I would like to see LaRue do it because he's such that big body guy. He's such a young guy that I th- I honestly think that he could be a future you know, 20, 30 goal scorer in this league if the pieces fall correctly. So, Phil, we saved it to the end. This is what true podcasters do. They keep everybody waiting and listening, so they have to listen to the whole show. But the new award this year is called the Fan Favorite. We put it out on social media. We closed the voting Sunday at 5 p.m. We had a total of, are you ready for this, Phil? 86 votes come through. And one player actually ran away with this. More than 25% of the votes came to this player. And it was... It was a lot more lopsided than I thought it was going to be. One other player reached double digits. Uh, 15 total players got at least one vote, which says, you know, a lot of fan favorites around this team. But 
Phil, the award winner for the first time ever in the BSC fan favorite award goes to. Tahoka Nanakoke, you are Buffalo Bandits fan, BSC fan favorite of the year. Congratulations. 28 votes. The most by quite a bit, like you said. And I, it was fun seeing the different votes that were out there and how many came through. I mean, thank you to everyone who voted. Really appreciate it. And just seeing, like you said, 15 different players. The votes were kind of spread out among the other players. But Nanakoke absolutely ran away with it. And he... Deserved it. He is a, a fan favorite for a reason. He had a really good season. He's a player that scores highlight real goals pretty much every single time he's out there. And he's another player who sets those hard picks for Dane Smith and does all a lot of the dirty things. I mean, literally gets hit in the face probably at least, what, 10, 15 times a game, always going to the dirty areas, doing all the little things and killing the clock on penalty kills and he's kind of that Stainhouse-esque you know hold the ball away from six different players and then at the same time with one second left still find a way to get a shot off and make it look really good so really fun to watch I completely understand why he's the fan favorite and why he he got it and uh congratulations to you yeah 21 goals 18 assists 39 points 13 games last year he had an unbelievable rookie season 32 19 51 and 18 in the playoffs 15 8 and 23, 8th in scoring, tied for 2nd in goals, 3rd in power play goals with 4, 39% shooting percentage. But with the fan favorite, there are, Phil, I, I think you can agree with this. There are pretty much two ways you can become a beloved player in Buffalo. You can fight, or you can just take no crap, just battle in day in, day out, never complain, just grind it out all the time. He is one of those grinded out players. And I think you summed it up perfectly. He's one of those players that you just can't get the ball out of his stick. He's he's going to come in, bring his lunch pail every day, one of those old sayings, and just go to town all day. And you can just see his emotion on his face before game three, and then especially after game three when he finally won that championship, just how much it meant to bring that trophy to Buffalo. Those are the type of players that they might not go down in history as you know the best statistical player in Buffalo Bandits history, but he's going to go down as one of the most favorite players. He, he's kind of like the Chase Frazier where he, he might have that different aspect where the Chase Frazier is kind of like that flashy guy where you hate to play against him, but you love to have him on his team. Tehoka Nanako is kind of that way, but with his play style where he just, you know, he takes those hits to the face and just gets up and is smiling all the time. It's just, he was drastically missed when he was out of the lineup. And I, I think he's just an unbelievable fan favorite. And I think his, his fandom around here is just going to keep growing. But I think you said, I think you thanked everybody, right. But I I also want to throw him out. Thank you for everybody that voted on these polls, interacting with the people that are maybe not even listening. Maybe you just saw the post and you just wanted to throw it out there. Just appreciate anybody taking the time to throw out a name or a vote or explain why you're some person wrote like two full paragraphs. And I loved reading that kind of stuff. I love interacting with the people of Banditland and just listening to all the stories where, you know, this like somebody I think Max Adler had two or three votes where they just went he took the time to say like oh sign things for my kid or something like that those kind of memories last a long time and I think we said it perfectly on the Wednesday show they are great lacrosse players but they're even better human beings so Phil that wraps up our BSC award show for the second straight year um I know there is an after party I'm gonna be late because I gotta edit this but uh uh, all right, drinks, drinks on uh, Buffalo Bandits, right? Because they just won the trophy. 
Oh, absolutely. I think we're we're just getting the leftover champagne from the celebration that happened at the arena. So what was ever whatever was left over, they uh, shipped over to our after party for free. It was very nice of them. I'll take it. We have a very limited budget, so anything we can get for free is, is very appreciative. But is there anything you want else? Anything else you want to add to this show before we shut it down and uh, have another week off until we're back next Wednesday? I know we will obviously continue to compare this season to past seasons and what they have to do next year. Can they repeat all that kind of stuff? But this really is kind of the last wrap up of this year, putting this season officially kind of in the in the history books and it's it was a very fun show the last two shows last two episodes have been really great to kind of relive the championship and now relive a little bit of the entire season and get to talk about it one last time before we start shifting into off-season mode again we will absolutely talk about this season throughout the entire summer and obviously for the rest of our lives it's a championship season you don't forget these so it's not going away anywhere, but with this being the last episode, uh, really kind of enjoy this year. It's a little bit sad to move on to the off season. I mean, obviously, we will continue to celebrate what an incredible season this was and finally getting over that hump. And I cannot wait to have them put a banner, a brand new, flashy, 15 years later, incredible looking banner up in those rafters. I can't wait to not be able to see it from where I'm sitting. Yeah, I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Love my seats, but terrible angle to see that. I so, think just uh, for the ceremony, you're going to have to go on the other side of the arena and then go back probably. to your seats. Then run back before the Just buy up, buy yeah. a spare seat in the 300s real quick. I mean, it's not that much money just for the ceremony to really get a, a good view of it up in the... Honestly, it'd be an interesting idea. Just Stupid me will book it behind the Jumbotron, too, so I wouldn't be able to see it. You're like, I thought it was on this side. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on our on our next Wednesday show, like you said, we're kind of putting the bow on this season, packing it in. Like you said, we're going to still talk about it because it's a championship. We're never going to forget this kind of thing because who knows it, when a city like Buffalo is going to win it again and be able to talk about it. But it's been an amazing ride, amazing uh, season so far. And we're just going to dive into the offseason stuff now and kind of get more creative. And on our next show, uh, I guess I can tease it a bit. Um, Phil, I'll leave you this, this question and kind of leave it as a little teaser for the next, uh, episode. What are you hoping to see change in the off season here? And, uh, we'll just let that stew for a week. So anybody out there, if you got any, uh, ideas and everything and you want to shoot them us, shoot them to us, we'd really appreciate it. But I got, uh, I got some things on the top of my head and a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff I've been building up and want things changed. You might get a little hot take or a little ranting PK that hasn't been out for a while because things have been going so well on our next show. But uh, I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for it. There's a little tease for you. So thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Thank you or to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter, Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, bye-bye.